Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Good morning. Hey, can I just say how awesome uh, it is to be a part of the, the family here at Lighthouse? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just so clearly see God doing, uh, I mean, he's just like really clearly working in the lives of people through, uh, through ministries here at Lighthouse and through each of you. I'm just really grateful for that. Uh, my name is Matt Smith. I'm one of the pastors here, and I just want to say welcome this morning. I got a woo. <laughs> uh, I'm really glad you're here this morning, and, uh, and we are, as Nicole said, we're going to be in Ezekiel 34. Uh, we're continuing continuing this series throwback. Uh, if you've been with us, either whether you're online or here in person, if you've been with us over the past three weeks, we've been walking through different uh, portions of Scripture in the Old Testament and seeing how that, how that actually points towards Christ. Uh, and so uh, Jesus is the way to interpret all of the Bible because it's all about him. So uh, <clears throat> if you remember over the past few weeks, some of the, some of the questions we've been asking of Scripture is, uh, um, you know, what is God teaching directly right here? And so even as we look this morning, we're going to be doing that. What's God teaching here? Um, what, uh, what does the New Testament say about this? You know, what does it say in the New Testament regarding what we're talking about here? Uh, where is Jesus present? And, uh, and how am I going to respond to this truth? So God's clearly revealing truth here. And how am I gonna, what's my response going to be to that? So uh, if you don't know where Ezekiel's at, it's between, uh, between Psalms and between the New Testament. It's in, in a section of the Bible called the Prophets. There are major and minor prophets. The only difference between the major and minor prophets is uh, the minor prophets are shorter. You know, they don't have minor things to say. They have really important things to say. But uh, Ezekiel's one of the major prophets. And, uh, and when we think about <clears throat> uh, prophets in Scripture, I think it's really important to know what a prophet is. Um, so I say sometimes they're just called God's messenger, but really what prophets were, uh, a prophet is somebody that God chose and gave his authority to, to speak on his behalf, right? So God, uh, God told prophets things to say, and he told them things to do, and then prophets did and said what God wanted them to do and say. So I think sometimes it's really easy to think of prophets and think of uh, people talking about something very far in the future. They're predicting the future. And while that is one role of prophecy, sometimes that, that God's talking about that more often than not, um, you know, the, they were actually speaking a message on God's behalf that, that dealt with that particular time period. You know, they weren't necessarily speaking into the future. Uh, often they were, they were delivering God's law or, or they were uh, calling people to repentance Sometimes they were warning against disobedience and the, and the destruction that comes with it. Uh, so that's what they were doing sometimes. Other times they were, uh, one of the key functions of a prophet was they were actually communicating the character and the attributes of God. And so that's really, really clearly seen throughout Scripture. Um, <clears throat> so God's revealing himself that way. So to give some kind of background and some historical context on, on the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel is a, a, a prophet that was called by God, uh, but they, the nation of Israel has had some really uh, significant things happen right before this. So uh, they were actually defeated by the Babylonian people. The nation of Babylon came in, wiped them out. Uh, the, they, they actually took the, they ran the people of Israel out of their country and then uh, deported them, basically exiled them to their own country, right? So they were exiled to Babylon. So this is Ezekiel talking to the people who were exiled 
in Babylon. Uh, and uh, Jerusalem, uh, their, their main city was actually under siege for over a year. And so in chapter 34, just before this, they have just learned that, Eze- that, that uh, Ezekiel's just learned, and the people of Israel, that Jerusalem has fallen. It's, it's no more. And everybody's been, their people have scattered, and they're all over the place, but these people are exiled to Babylon and that's, uh, that's what's happened. Uh, so exile, it's important to understand what exile is in that culture. So in that culture, uh, the Babylonians would have taken, uh, they would have taken and brought the people to their country, to their nation, and they would have, uh, they would have taken the people who were already in leadership, and they would have installed them in, in places of leadership within their society so that they could help. Uh, what they did is they integrated everybody into their society to help Babylon grow. But, uh, so they, they used that, and they used the leaders that were already, uh, already leading those people. So that's what would have happened here. And so uh, <clears throat> when, when God is speaking to the people of Israel who were exiled there through Ezekiel, um, this chapter 34 is one of the things that he's saying. So uh, we're actually going to go ahead and we're going to read the entirety of Ezekiel 34. And I'm going to read it, and you guys can follow along either on the screen or in your, in your Bible. Uh, but let's, let's just read this together so we can see exactly what God's saying to them at that point. Uh, then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel, Give them this message from the Sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you, shepherds, who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk, wear the wool, and butcher the best animals, but you let your flock starve. You have not taken care of the weak. You have not tended to the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty." So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd, and they are easy prey for any wild animal. They have wandered through all the mountains and all the hills, across the face of the earth, yet no one has gone to search for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, you abandoned my flock and left them to be attacked by every wild animal. And though you were my shepherds, you didn't search for my sheep when they were lost. You took care of yourselves and left the sheep to starve. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I now consider these shepherds my enemies, and I will hold them responsible for what has happened to my flock. I will take away their right to feed the flock. I will stop them from feeding themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths. The sheep will no longer be their prey. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back to their home, to their own land of Israel, from among the peoples and the nations. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and in all the places where people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. There they will lie down in pleasant places and feed in lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the Sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones who have strayed away, and I will bring them home safely again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak, but I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them, yes, feed them justice." And as for you, my flock, this is what the Sovereign Lord, 
says to his people, I will judge between one animal of the flock and another, separating the sheep from the goats. Isn't it enough that you isn't it enough for, for you to keep the best pastures for yourself? Must you also trample down the rest? Isn't it enough for you to drink clear water for yourselves? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Why was why must my flock eat what you have trampled down and drink water you have fouled? Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I will judge between the fat sheep and the scrawny sheep. For you, fat sheep, have pushed and butted and crowded my sick and hungry flock until you scattered them to distant lands. So I will rescue my flock. They will no longer be abused. I will judge between one animal of the flock and another, and I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. He will feed them and be a shepherd to them, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among my people. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with my people and drive away the dangerous animals from the land. Then they will be able to camp safely in the wildest places and sleep in the woods without fear. I will bless my people and their homes around my holy hill, and in the proper season I will send the showers they need. There will be showers of blessing." The orchards and fields of my people will yield bumper crops, and everyone will live in safety when I have broken their chains of slavery and rescued them from those who enslaved them. Then they will know that I am the Lord. They will no longer be prey for other nations and wild animals. They will no longer devour them. They will live in safety, and no one will frighten them. And I will make their land famous for its crops. For so my, so my people will ne never again suffer from famines or the insults of foreign nations." In this way, they will know that I, the Lord, am their God, Lord their God, am with them, and they will know that they, the people of Israel, are my people, says the Sovereign Lord. You are my flock, the sheep of my pasture. You are my people, and I am your God. The Sovereign Lord has spoken. <clears throat> so there is so much there. This is a uh, this is a a huge chapter, and there's a lot there, and we're going to try our best to uh, to see exactly what God's saying here. So uh, Ezekiel is a prophet who's been called to uh, to give a message. He's delivering this message to Israel, and he's it's, this message is actually a, a message of judgment against the leaders of Israel. So you know to compound the problems that that Israel has at this point, uh, they are uh, they're living in exile in Babylon. They're being ruled by Nebuchadnezzar the king there, and their and their own leaders uh, who who are there are actually using their position for personal gain. You see, it says they, uh, it says they ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So uh, that word harshness and cruelty, the word that's used to, to define that actually is only used two other times in the Old Testament, uh, one of which is about the Egyptians, how the Egyptians ruled the Israelites when they were slaves there. Uh, the other one is in Leviticus when God is teaching, this is not how you treat your brother. Uh, you don't rule them that way. So uh, that's, it's pretty significant. And uh, these shepherds, and he even says, like so in verse 8, it says, though you were my shepherds, it says you didn't search for my sheep when they were lost. You took up care of yourselves and left the sheep to starve, right? So um, one thing that's important to know is that, that shepherd was, a, um, this was, is actually the most common uh, metaphor used in Scripture for leaders. So when it talks about shepherds, it's actually it's actually talking about uh, it's talking about leaders. So um, these exiled people of of 
of Israel are living in Babylon. So to try and put it in context, like think of, uh, think of our country, the United States, if we were to get overrun by another nation. Not only overrun, but like totally defeated. And, uh, and then they took all the people who were in power, they actually kept them installed in places of, of leadership, but uh, those leaders actually kind of cozied up to this new nation, and then they used that, that authority and leadership they had to oppress the people and aid this foreign country in oppressing them, right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? Like, if, you've, if, you, uh, if you grew up in the 80s, uh, you may have seen a film with that kind of plot. It was called Red Dawn. Anybody see that one? Yeah, I know, I know, I seem old, right? Um, but <laughs> so, so there was this movie that had a really, really similar plot, without the exile, of course. But so this is your pro- this is gets you a feeling of what's actually happening here, and what's actually happening is these leaders are they're their own people, and they're oppressing them, and so that's who God's speaking to here. So uh, this is a major problem. They had they had been exiled. Uh, they were they they're. Jerusalem has fallen. God's presence has left the temple. Uh, they're being oppressed by their own leaders. They're starving. They're suffering. And, uh, and there's nothing they can do. They've lost their entire nation. The only thing they can do is grieve and mourn, right? So th- to say the least, they have problems. Um, one of their main problems was this crisis of leadership. And so uh, the fact that leaders are shepherds, and so when God uses that term, he's talking about uh, uh, the people that he's put in place to lead them, the, uh, uh, these leaders, God's given them uh, the responsibility of leading and caring for the people, and they've actually taken and turned it and perverted it, and rather than feeding and caring for the people, they're using their position uh, to feed and care for themselves and oppress the people. <clears throat> so uh, that's, that's the crisis of leadership that's happening, but it's, this is not really new to Israel. So this, this is, it's bad, but this is, has been bad for a while because uh, Israel was very familiar with kings, they had had kings before, right? So they, they'd had really good kings, and they had really bad kings, right? So they, they, they understand this crisis of leadership. And uh, it's ironic because uh, the people of Israel were the ones who actually asked to be ruled by a king. Uh, so if you go, if, if, you, if you read in 1 Samuel chapter 8, I'm going to read that for us, uh, it kind of explains what happens here, what has happened in the past. So in the past, this is what happened. It says, uh, finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel and, he, and said, look, they told him, you are, you are now old and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like the other nations have. Samuel was displeased with their request and went to the Lord for guidance. Do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for they are rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods, and now they are giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. So Samuel passed on the Lord's warning to the people who were asking him for a king. This is how a king will, treat, will reign over you, Samuel said. The, the king will draft your sons and assign them to his chariots and, as his, and his charioteers, making them run before his chariots. Some will be generals and captains in his army. Some will be forced to plow in his fields and harvest his crops. And some will make his weapons and chariot equipment. The king will take your daughters from you and force them to cook and, and bake and make perfumes for him. He will take away the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his own officials. He will take a tenth of your grain and, and your grape harvest and distribute among his officers and his attendants. 
He will take your male and female slaves and demand the finest of your cattle and donkeys for his own use. He will demand a tenth of your flocks, and you will be his slaves. When that day comes, you will beg for relief from this king you are demanding. But then the Lord said, but, but then the Lord will not help you. But the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we still want a king, they said. We want to be like the other nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. So Samuel repeated to the Lord what the people had said, and the Lord replied, Do as they say and give them a king. So this is not some new crisis of leadership to uh, the people of Israel. They've actually chosen this. So God's chosen people who were, who were once followed him, they once followed God as king when he led them out of, out of Egypt, uh, they now wanted another king to rule over them. So they rejected God as king and as shepherd, and, and they, they looked elsewhere. Right? So uh, uh, God's people, what, what's essentially happening here is God's people wanted God's promises, but they didn't want God. They, they wanted a king, but they didn't want the king. So uh, that's what's happened. Now, looking at what Ezekiel's saying, he's saying, now these leaders are not shepherding their people well. This should come as no surprise. They're not shepherding their people well or leading the people of Israel well at all. They're actually really bad leaders. They're, instead of serving the flock, they're serving themselves. They were there to be served, not to serve. Right? And so this, this type of self-centeredness has ultimately led to a neglect and abu- abuse of, of the people. And even with their nation destroyed and exile and all this stuff happening, now they, uh, they're actually saying uh, that God is going to rescue them. And, and they're, they're actually teaching and preaching that uh, they believed that God was obligated to rescue them. And if he didn't, that, that, that he was actually doing wrong. But what they failed to realize is not, it's not God that had failed them it, it, and, and recognized that their suffering was not because God had failed them, uh, but rather because they had broken God's covenant with them repeatedly over and over and over for uh, the better part of 800 years. God has repeatedly warned the people of Israel and, and now, of, of the consequences of their rebellion, and now they were living it out. So there's, there's been this clear crisis of leadership since the beginning. You know, we saw it, we, if you were here a few weeks ago, we saw it in Genesis 3. You know, there was this clear crisis of leadership where, uh, where Adam and Eve chose self-leadership over God's leadership, right? We saw it again in, in, in Samuel. We've seen it throughout Scripture. Uh, we've seen all these instances of people choosing um, self-leadership or other leadership other than God, so uh, this is this is they were looking everywhere for a shepherd except to God. So even though these were God's shepherds, these people were installed as God's shepherds. They were not doing what a good shepherd does or a good leader does. In in, in Ezekiel, it says that they were they were not strengthening the weak or healing the sick or binding up the injured. They did not bring back those who had strayed or search for those who were lost. And now God is holding them accountable. So that's what Ezekiel is saying here in the first, first part of this chapter. Um, so that's a big problem. That's a big problem. But the, the people of Israel actually have a bigger problem than that. Uh, so their bigger problem, you know, I guess to understand this and, and to understand w- what a shepherd is and what a leader is, we probably should know a little bit more about what, what sheep are. Um, 
because this, this analogy has been used throughout Scripture uh, referring to shepherds and sheep. So Scripture is constantly referring to people as sheep. In fact, some of us might even be, uh, you know, a little offended at that analogy, right? Some of us, if you know anything about sheep, you might have a little bit of offense at, at hearing yourself called sheep. Uh, but if you have, if you carry a really romanticized view of what sheep are, like uh, Mary had a little lamb and it was fleece was white as snow, well, it followed her around everywhere she went, right? Um, so if you have that, uh, that uh, romanticized view of sheep, I, I guess it would be helpful to, to let you know a little bit more about who sheep are and what they are. Um, so they are not at all uh, brilliant animals, and, and nor are they obedient. So brilliance and obedience are not what's used to describe sheep. Actually, more importantly, sheep are, uh, are extremely self-serving, but the funny thing is they're not at all self-reliant. So uh, it, this becomes a problem. So in start, I was preparing to teach for this chapter, and, and uh, I was really helped out. My wife showed me a video uh, earlier this week that I thought was uh, I thought kind of summed up the whole thing. Uh, could we could we play that video? I think this might help us understand it. Yeah, we might have seen this before. <clears throat> so this sheep has uh, has inserted himself in a hole and needs saving, and he's like, oh, he doesn't say thank you. Oh. <laughs> And right back into the, <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> Does this feel familiar? <clears throat> Does this? I mean, am I the only person this feels familiar? Familiar to? Like I, I needed pulled out of this, and rather than hey, thank you, I'm so, I just run and right back in the same, the exact same thing. So that's sheep, right? That really sums up what it is to be sheep. <clears throat> sheep, uh, domesticated sheep cannot live well independently. They, uh, in this time period, they would have the things that could happen to them. They would fall off of rocks. <clears throat> They'd eat poisonous plants and die. Uh, they can literally die from getting stuck in a bush from their wool. Right? They go to run through a bush. They're stuck, starve and die. Uh, they could roll on their back and not be able to get up. They'd be like a turtle because their wool is holding them there, and they couldn't they couldn't get up. Sheep die that way. Uh, sheep could not even. It was commonly known that they couldn't even find the sheepfold when it was in plain sight. So they are easy, vulnerable prey, especially when they're alone. Uh, verse 12 says that sheep get lost, and they need somebody to find them. It says in verse 14, it says that they need somebody to feed them, right? They need somebody to show them where the food is. Uh, <clears throat> they're obstinate. They're prone to pests, uh, lice, ticks, worms. Uh, they are characterized as utterly helpless and at the same time utterly foolish, uh, they can't care for themselves, and they're constantly going to places uh, <clears throat> that are unsafe, and they're eating unsafe things, and, and they're, they're, they're getting themselves into trouble. Do you realize complete helplessness and complete foolishness is how God characterizes people? Sheep never, they never ever take the long view on anything. <clears throat> Sheep can eat grass down to the dirt, like into the dirt. They have teeth on both sides, and they will chew the grass off to where they will be in the dirt, and they will starve in the mud unless somebody provides sufficient pasture for them. <clears throat> so they don't think ahead. They're not planning ahead in this. And, and what's interesting is we've all done the exact same thing in trying to meet our own immediate needs. We have, uh, we've tried to lead ourselves. We've all gone astray. Actually, Isaiah, another prophet, says it this way, he says, all we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned, everyone to his own way. So spiritually, we are sheep. 
We hope in the wrong things. Uh, we sin. Uh, we can't even find our way to heaven when it's in plain view. So sheep really clearly need shepherding. Uh, they need a shepherd. Uh, our culture does nothing to help us in this uh, because we, especially Western culture, we don't want to place ourselves under the authority of anybody. Uh, we resist being shepherded, right? We, uh, we elect people uh, to lead us, then we hate them, and then we throw them out, and then we elect more people to lead us, and we hate, the, and, and it just keeps going, right? And so <clears throat> it's not helping us there, uh, but to really understand God as our shepherd, uh, we have to realize what it is to be sheep. So human shepherds, while <clears throat> appointed by God, are human, and they are, only, they are really only a partial solution to this, this really big problem. Uh, <clears throat> human shepherds are, are prone to failure because they're not perfect, and they actually, too, are sheep. So uh, <clears throat> you look around, it's not hard to look around our world today and see crisis of leadership almost everywhere. You know, we see scandal uh, in the political the professional, the religious, the family, we see it everywhere, and there's this unprecedented mistrust of authority, and, uh, and why? Why is that? Well, because it was never the ultimate solution to our problem. <clears throat> you see, the temptation, the temptation here is to say that the leaders, the bad leaders are our problem, uh, and, and it's really easy to say, eh, bad leaders, we need to, well, what do we do? We throw them out and we get more ones? So the, we could say the bad leaders are our problem, or sometimes we're tempted to say that the problem is that we're sheep, right? So if we could just be better and do better and try harder and get all of it right, we actually wouldn't need a shepherd, right? That's the other option, <clears throat> when in actuality, that, neither of those are the problem. The real problem is sin, you know, the real problem is we've, we've ultimately chosen the wrong leader. We have, we have placed our hope and our trust in anything other than God. We've said, uh, like the people of Israel, that we want a king, but not the king. Um, we've, we, we want a savior, but I'm not so sure I want a lord. Uh, we want self-leadership. Uh, we, we've literally turned to every other source for a shepherd and come up empty. So God lays, God lays out this problem really, really clearly in Scripture. So he uses another prophet. Uh, if you went back just one book before to Jeremiah, in chapter 30, uh, he describes it like this. This is what the Lord says. Your injury is incurable, a terrible wound. There is no one to help you or to bind up your injury. <clears throat> no medicine can heal you. All your lovers, your allies have left you and do not care about you anymore. I have cruelly wounded you as though I were your enemy. Your sins are many and your guilt is great. Why do you protest your punishment, this wound that has no cure? I have had to punish you because your sins are many and your guilt is great. You see, our problem is it's systemic. It's systemic, it's incurable, and uh, unfortunately, it's terminal. It's, it's self-leadership. <clears throat> it's sin. So, uh, I mean, you look around. Look at our entire culture. This is not, it doesn't help. It's not helpful um, because it says things like, you are what you earn. Uh, work hard uh, and earn what you deserve. It's, it's like, it's the American dream, man. It's, it's, uh, it's, if you work hard enough, you will get what you want. Everything in our culture, everything, everything in our human nature says, uh, don't be a sheep. 
Don't be a sheep, right? Uh, be your own leader. But God says something different. He says, you are sheep. And, that, and that's it. I mean, you have to see it. It's right in front of us. It's not, that's not the problem. He says, you are sheep. And he's saying, you need a shepherd. In verse 11 and 12, he says this. He says, God bring, this is God bringing the real solution to a real problem for, for all of us. He says, I myself will search for my people and be their shepherd. Human shepherds were only a partial solution. This is the real solution, right? He says, I will find the scattered. I will strengthen the weak. I will bind up the injured and heal the sick from, the, from their incurable condition, really. Uh, I will find the lost. I will care for and feed my sheep. But I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them. Yes, I will feed them justice. You see, justice is, is ultimately payment for sin. Because if you put, if you put all your hopes in your, in your works, uh, you, you actually do get what you deserve. Uh, and, and it's not what you want. God says you will get justice. That's not what I'm after. I mean, I, I, I know my condition. Um, so that sounds good, except just, justice really is that payment for sin. So the real issue here, I mean, it's, it's, it's super easy. It's super easy to indict the shepherds and say they're the problem. But the truth is that it's not just the shepherds, but it's also the sheep that have forgotten who their real shepherd is. They've all turned away from a true shepherd. So when we look at this, this is God's describing a really, really clear problem, and he actually points to a solution, right? So when we look in the New Testament, if we look, we're like, so that's the thing we've been doing in this series. Like, where does it talk about this in the New Testament? What's happening there? Well, God just doesn't, he doesn't just answer this in Ezekiel. He points to his ultimate, complete answer to our problem, and he says, he says this, even in Ezekiel, he says this, he says, I will set them, set over them one shepherd, my servant David, now, for the people at that time, I can only imagine they must have been thinking, David's been dead for like hundreds of years. Um, what are you talking about? And what God's doing is now he's actually pointing forward to his solution and saying, uh, he's saying, he's pointing to himself coming in the form of a man descended from David who will be the good shepherd. <clears throat> so, uh, you see God. You see God doing the same thing. Uh, like if you looked at, if you were to look at Matthew twenty-three, Jesus is preaching and teaching against the religious leaders and the Pharisees at that time, and and he's preaching against them for the religious burden and hypocrisy that he's putting on them. He's saying he's saying to them they are being bad shepherds. You know, so there's there's still this crisis of leadership, uh, and and so Jesus comes and he says he says he says woe to you because you are not basically because you are not shepherding the people. You're my shepherds, but you, he's saying the same thing he was saying in Ezekiel. And so these Pharisees and religious teachers they had to know exactly what God had said in the book of Ezekiel. They had, well, he had they had to know what God had said through Ezekiel, and they're hearing it directed towards them. So first they're offended, and then Jesus says something much more offensive to them. He says, he says this in John 10, verse 11. He says, uh, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Well, he's identifying himself as a shepherd, but what the Pharisees and the religious teachers of the, of the, of the time, what they're hearing is they're hearing what he's actually saying. He's saying, I am God. And I am here to shepherd my people. 
So, uh, so in John 10, this is what Jesus says. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because, he, because, because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. You see, the sheep need a good shepherd. And, and the truth is, we are the sheep, <laughs> Uh, we need him, not, not, just, not just to save us, but actually to lead us. <clears throat> you see, Jesus is following everybody. Uh, Jesus is inviting everybody to follow him as, as their shepherd. Not just, not just as their savior, but as their shepherd, as their leader, right? So to follow Jesus as your shepherd is really, really simple. <clears throat> First, you have to give him access to every area of your life. And if you're anything like me, you're thinking, well, I don't think I want to do that, right? I don't, I don't want him to know what's behind the curtain. Uh, I don't want him to know what's in the closet over here. Like, I'm not sure I want him to know all that. I don't want to give him access to every part of my life. Uh, well, you, really, you clearly didn't read verse 14. He knows. <laughs> he already knows. He knows. It. He says, I know my sheep. He knows. He knows everything about you. He knows all the foolish mistakes and things that you've done to get yourself to this point. And he knows all the foolish things that you're going to do. Right? He already knows. <clears throat> well, and so maybe you're saying, well, uh, I don't, you know, what if God asked me to do something hard, though? Like, if I give him access to everything, he might ask me to do something really hard. Um, you have to understand that, that Jesus, as the good shepherd, has already done... <laughs> the absolute hardest thing on your behalf. And so in following him, he's already given you the strength to follow him. And you, you have to understand not only that he's the shepherd, but he's a good shepherd. I mean, like, Jesus is good. And he's so good that he actually died for you. He did all those things for you. So it's like he's not leading you. He's not leading you into places that are bad. <laughs> we found those on our own, Right? He's not leading us there. He's leading us to good. That's what, that's what he's saying all through Ezekiel. This is what I'm going to do for my people. So you've got to give him access to every part of your life. It, you also have to depend on him fully. <clears throat> so when you start to realize that everything you have is dependent on him, uh, that's when you start to actually understand freedom. You know, we, our culture pushes against that, but the truth is there is real, genuine freedom in, in following Jesus as shepherd. You see, you weren't actually created with the capacity to be uh, king. You weren't created with the capacity to be your own leader. Uh, for example, I mean, like, so when you try and do that, when you take all that on you, it only makes sense that when you do that, uh, you are filled with anxiety and stress and disappointment and failure and, and all the things that come with trying to lead yourself. So uh, when Paul says something like, uh, when I am weak, then I am strong, he's figured this out. He, what he's figured out is, I am, I am 
not just I need to be, I am dependent on Christ. And so what he's found is he's found genuine joy, peace, and freedom in it, what it is. It's, it's moment by moment walking with God. Not walking in our own path, not walking in opposition to God, but walking with him. It's, it's letting go of self-leadership and actually finding real, genuine freedom. So you have to give him access to every part of your life. You have to depend on him, and you have to obey him joyfully. You know, the only way to do that, you know, like even, and, and even verse 3 in John 10 there says, uh, his sheep hear his voice and they follow him. He even calls them by name. But to do that, you have to actually understand, you have to actually know what he has done for you. <clears throat> you see, he took all of the justice. We talk, he talked about justice earlier. He took all of that justice that was measured out because of sin uh, for us. Right? He, he took it so that we wouldn't. If you look at verse 15 in John 10, it says, I sacrifice my life for my sheep. That word for, uh, that word for actually means instead of. So he took our punishment instead of us. And, and as though if that weren't enough, right? If that weren't enough, he then covered us in his righteousness so that now when we stand before God, we stand before God as perfect and blameless and innocent and holy. You know, Scripture says that he did all of that because he has great joy in us. He knows you. He knows, he knows everything you've done and you will do. And it's right there in verse 14. He says, I know my sheep. So he knows the depth of, of, of our heart. He knows everything about us. And yet he chose us. He chose to do that for us. <clears throat> John 10, uh, 27 through 30 says this. It says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my father has given them to me and he is, one, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the father's hand. The father and I are one. Nobody can snatch you from his hand. No one can snatch his sheep from him. <clears throat> and, and so you might be saying, uh, you might be saying that, uh, well, the sheep could turn around and walk away, right? <clears throat> well, can they? Can they really? Because I think if we, if we really look at Scripture, uh, you know, it says, it says in Ezekiel, it says, it says all throughout Scripture, God's actually going to search for the lost. He's going to go find the lost and bring them back. You, you know, we walk, we, we get out of the ditch, we run down the thing, and somebody pulls us out, right? And then we go jump back into it. What does Jesus do? Does he say, well, you're on your own? No, he actually walks down there and pulls us out again. So it's like, and, and so not only is he pulling us out, if you look at Luke 15, Luke 15 says that he leaves the 99 that are found, and he goes to find the one that's lost. He pulls them out, puts them over his shoulder, brings them home, and what does he do when he brings them home? He rejoices. He throws a huge party, celebrates because he's found his lost sheep. He's like, come celebrate with me because I found my foolish and helpless sheep, right? This is what God's done for us. <clears throat> so if Jesus is your shepherd, you are safe. I mean, you are completely safe. You actually can rest. You, you can actually enjoy the grace of God. 
There, there really is freedom when you depend on him, when you follow him. You actually can relax because God has done all of it for you. <clears throat> Forgiveness, righteousness, all of it. <clears throat> and only he could. He was the only one that could. <clears throat> so now you might be saying, it's too simple. That's too simple. It's too easy. So if he's done all that, if he's done everything, then why should I do anything? Why should I, why should I just do what I want? Uh, what's, what's, gonna, what's going to make me obey? <clears throat> why would I do what's right? What motivation is there to stay? Well, I would ask the question, what motivation is there to leave? What reason do you have to leave? Jesus took away any of the other false substitute reasons for staying on the cross. Uh, Fear of judgment or hope of reward. Uh, by the way, both of those things are self-leadership and sin because you're serving yourself. So if I'm, if I'm just obeying to, uh, uh, to escape judgment and I'm just obeying to, uh, to gain a reward, neither of them are really obedience. He took those away, right? <clears throat> so uh, in John 10, 14, it says, I know my sheep. Jesus knows us to the bottom. He knows, us, knows the depths of our selfishness. He knows that we are helpless and foolish, and yet he loved you, uh, and, and he died instead of you. So what motivation is there to stay? Why on earth would I ever want to leave someone who loves me like that? You see, when your shepherd died on the cross, it was the only time in history that justice and mercy were both exercised perfectly at the same time. <clears throat> the full penalty of sin was paid. His sheep were made holy, even though they were completely undeserving. That's grace. That's the grace of God, right? So if Jesus is your Savior, he needs to be your shepherd. You need, <laughs> you need to know him. You need to trust him. You need to depend on him. You actually need to love him. So it's only two ways. It's only two ways. You either trust Jesus and you follow him as your shepherd and you trust that his death has paid the penalty for your sin, or you say, no, I would rather accept the penalty, the responsibility, and the consequences of my own sin. I would rather carry it all myself and ultimately be destroyed by it. <clears throat> That's it. There's only two choices. Um, the rest, there, there's actually rest. There is rest and joy and peace and freedom in being shepherded today and forever. You see, the only thing that stands in your way of, of being shepherded is actually, uh, actually your own pride. It's actually admitting that you need a shepherd. So if God is speaking to you, like if you hear God's voice speaking to you, I would encourage you, lay, lay down your pride, follow, follow your shepherd. You see, God points, to, God points to Jesus in Ezekiel. He's pointing to Jesus as the good shepherd, right? And then he points forward, points forward to him again. So like, this kills me. So Re Revelation 7, 17 says this. It says, They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. Then it says, For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And, and he will guide them by springs of living water. Uh, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
Don't you see it? I mean, if you were here a couple weeks ago, we talked about the Passover lamb. The Passover, Jesus, the true Passover lamb, is the good shepherd. He's the one who leads us. So he's not just, he's not just savior. He's also our shepherd. He's our leader. So if if you're if you're hearing this today and you're and and Jesus is not your shepherd, I I just want to say um, he knows you. He knows you. He's calling you by name. You can find joy, peace, forgiveness, and freedom in him right now. There's nothing that stands in your way. It, it really is literally as simple as asking Jesus to be your shepherd and start following him. But it's also possible, you're, you're hearing this and you're hearing, um, you're hearing God's voice and you know him as Savior, um, but you're not really following him as, as your shepherd. Maybe you're, maybe you're still trying to be your own leader. Uh, maybe there's parts of your life that you're, you're not giving God access to, that you refuse to let him have access to. Um, by the way, he knows. Um, maybe you're trusting in your works instead of his works. The only place that you will find rest is with the good shepherd. He not only knows you, but he loves you. So I'd say the same thing, follow him. Um, if, uh, if Jesus is your shepherd and you know him and you, you actually are resting in the grace of God and enjoying that today, um, I would tell you to follow him too because we follow Jesus everywhere he goes. And where's Jesus going? He's going to, uh, um, to strengthen the weak. He's going to, uh, to bind up the injured. To, uh, he's going to, to, to find those who strayed and find the lost. He's feeding the sheep. So I would tell you, follow him. We do those same things. God uses people to shepherd each other all the time. God uses his people who are following him to do that. You know, one of the ways that's actually happening right now at Lighthouse is um, people in these small groups are actually shepherding each other. You know, they're, they're uh, strengthening the weak. They're caring for people with needs. They are seeking the lost, right? They're feeding each other the truth of Scripture. That's how we do that. That's the application of that. It's, it's the opportunity to shepherd and to be shepherded. So I, I would say if you're not part of this one of these groups, uh, and it's, it's not just lighthouse groups, it's being a part of the body of Christ. It's being part of the family. Because uh, God, if you're doing this, God is going to use you to shepherd other people, and God is going to use other people to shepherd you. So you actually have the opportunity to invite people who don't know the good shepherd to know him. So I'd encourage you with that. I mean, like, that's a really, really clear, practical way to do that. We end uh, every service here this way, and, uh, and we just want to ask, ask this question. I, I just, let's take an opportunity to, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes, and we're going to ask God this question. God, what are you saying to me through your word? How are you asking me to follow you?
God, I am just so grateful that you love us, that you care for us, and that you died uh, not just for us, but instead of us. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would make really, really clear through uh, your word how easy it is to follow you and our, our actual need to be shepherded. God, let us see that we are sheep and embrace the fact that you created us as sheep to be dependent on you. Father, I pray that you would teach us how to follow you, how to be dependent on you, and how to, how to recognize you in every area of our lives and go where you go. Father, I pray that you would give us opportunity to shepherd one another and to be shepherded. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 9.09 or 11.11. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.